Hello, and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. My name is Charlie, and I'm here with my co-host, James. What's going on, James? Not too much. Excited for another exciting edition. Another exciting edition, as we say usually at the end of the episode. Yes. Bringing it back. Bringing Jump it back. Gun. What do you uh, What do you have for us today, Charlie? Okay, I have a paper that is near and dear to my heart. Yes. It's about penguins. Which is my favorite animal. I I know this, actually. How do you know it? Because Tell uh, the listeners. <laughs> whenever we would all go over and hang out in your apartment, uh, it became very obvious that the comforter of your bed was covered in penguins and is the same comforter you've had, as you say, since you were like in middle school. Yeah, uh, maybe even before that. So, yeah, I sleep, this comes as no surprise. I sleep on penguins every night, every night since I was a child. If anyone's curious why I know that, uh, it's because you had a studio. Yes, so. I had a very small apartment. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I penguins are my favorite animal. They're the cutest. But what this paper is sadly about is the possibility of penguins going extinct. That's really sad. It is really sad. And so, you know, it's in this vein of climate change, which comes up all the time and which is a dire problem we are facing today. But specifically what this paper is asking is, um, well, have you heard of the Paris Climate Agreement? I have. The so, one that the U.S. is no longer a part of. The one that right? the U.S. is withdrawing from, yeah. So uh, this paper is specifically looking at what the impact of meeting the Paris Climate Agreement would have on the population of, of emperor penguins in Antarctica. Okay. So it kind of like steps through, okay, let's look at three scenarios. One is we do nothing at all to fix the climate. The other is that we uh, meet the two-degree threshold of the paris agreement and the other one is that we meet the 1.5 degree which I'll, I'll go over what those mean later okay and they say what would happen to the emperor penguin population in each of those cases well that sounds really interesting i'm excited to dive into the details for anyone who is joining us for the first time charlie and i are both phd students who read a lot of papers for our own research and now out of our own interest <laughs> and this podcast is our way of sharing our love for diving into the science with anyone who's interested welcome to paper boys Okay, before we start talking about penguins walking on the precipice of existence, um, I noticed you didn't say marching. I didn't say marching because I was looking at your notes and I'm disgusted by those references, which we'll get into. Yeah. But yes, I like that you're disgusted. It's a moral outrage. No one should use March of the Penguins to discuss the extinction of penguins. It's wrong. It is wrong. It's like a form of journalistic cannibalism. It, Morgan Freeman would not want it. No. No. He'd be Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If uh, you haven't already and you're interested, please check us out on social media. Our handle is at paperboyspod. You can reach out to us via email as well, paperboyspod at gmail.com. And if you like the content, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. We have a bonus episode every month, which... I mean, I love our weekly episodes, but I think our bonus episodes are great. I think, yeah. I mean, you know, if you if you put is a gun that, to my head and you said, which one do you like Is better? that boastful for me to say that? No. I mean, yes. But, you know, podcasting these days, it's all about self-promotion, self-confidence. Self -promotion. Well, I mean, 
I say, I guess I say it because they're like really they're topics that are really interesting to me and you. Yeah, the normal show, you know, we're covering um, what's coming up in the news, and of course, it's always, you know, there's tons of science news, so we we pick the things that are interesting to us. But the bonus episodes are like we're talking about anything from history or like things that are just kind of silly. Um, like the most recent one that we did was about a mutiny on the Skylab space station. Yes, uh, the first and fortunately only mutiny that's happened in space. Um, but a cool thing about this episode is we also get into really interesting sleep and uh, sort of social deprivation studies that are relevant to space missions, but also I think relevant to anyone's life. Whenever you have to make these decisions like, oh, well, I could get more done if I sleep less, you may want to reconsider. And I've said it once. I'll say it again, James. You changed my life with the one sleep study you brought in. Yeah. I have every night I've, I've tried to get eight hours ever since you said that. It's payback for your eggs episode. Yeah. We're making each other healthier. It's for the best. Yeah. We'll so, live so we can live forever. So we can keep paper boys going forever. We'll be paper men by the, by that time. Yes. Um, but yeah, check that out, please. Patreon.com slash paper boys pod. Surprisingly affordable to get the bonus episodes. Less than a less than the price of pie I hear. <laughs> it is. Yes. It's a very irrational price. Like actually less than the price of pie dollars. If you were to extend to, out the decimal. Point. Technically, it is less than the price of I'm pie not, dollars. Not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, okay. Well, check those out. And then, Charlie, I need to learn more about these penguins marching to their demise. <laughs> no, you said you wouldn't say it. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was obviously caught my attention as a penguin lover that you are a penguin i was trying to think of like what's the word for someone who's unhealthily obsessed (laughs) um so i so i saw these headlines like for example fizz.org said emperor penguins could march to extinction if nations fail to halt climate change it makes me want to throw up for multiple reasons yeah it's just it's sad and it's cringy newsweek says emperor penguins quote marching to extinction if we don't tackle climate change scientists warn here's my personal favorite though ZME Science says, stop climate change or the emperor penguins die, a new paper warns. That's like a hostage threat. It is. It sounds like a threat. Wow. If you don't hand over the CO2, the penguins get it. (laughs) The CO2. You have three hours. I get it. You have three hours. Oh, my God. We need to bring in Keith for Sutherland. Oh, yes. Jack Bell. Turn this into a whole episode of 20 or a whole season of 24. Yeah. So anyway, those are the headlines and... The gist of this research is, like I mentioned in the intro, they're sort of looking at um, comparing if we were to meet the targets that were set out at this Paris Climate Agreement, mm-hmm. could we save the penguins, essentially? Because right so, now, research sh- shows that penguins will likely go extinct if we don't do anything about the climate. So this question is asking, fundamentally, are penguins screwed? Yes, that is the question that's being asked. Okay, where's the paper from? So it was published in... The journal Global Change Biology on November 7th, 2019, it's called The Paris Agreement Objectives Will Likely Halt Future Declines of Emperor Penguins. Spoiler in the title. Hmm. Okay. The first author is uh, Stephanie Genouvrier of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in Massachusetts. But there's other authors on this paper, and they come from all over, like Minnesota, France, Germany, the Netherlands, and New Zealand. Wow. Minnesota. Yeah, very multinational, and then Minnesota. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, as a former University of Minnesota, yeah, grad myself. Go, Gophers. Go Gophers. 
About as close as you can get to a penguin as a school mascot. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like a, the Minnesota penguin. Mm, um, yes. Okay, interesting. Let's dive in. Tell me more. Yeah, so the whole thing centers around this Paris Climate Agreement. And you mentioned that you've heard of that, right? Yes, but fill me in on the details. I'm well, I was going to pop quiz you. Do you even know what the Paris Climate Agreement is? So, like everyone, I mean, everyone's all up in arms, like, oh, Trump, he's backing out. It's horrible. But, like, do you know why it's horrible? I mean, I, I did not. So, I think what it said was obviously, I hope you correct me. It was a bunch of nations that came together and they said two degrees Celsius uh, as an increase for global warming. So, global average temperature, if it increased by two degrees C, uh, we would consider that manageable, and that would reduce a lot of the negative effects of global warming. And the agreement was a set of industrial regulations that would allow us, they believe, to achieve that. Uh, you're, I would say you're like 60% right. Okay. So the Paris Climate Agreement, it was, uh, I think it was adopted on in December 2015. And you're right, it was this big meeting of like, there was like 100 90 countries or something that were in attendance and they had this whole delegation about how do we how do we curb climate change and you are right that the kind of conservative target was to say we are going to limit the temperature rise the average global temperature rise to two degrees above pre-industrial levels okay so pre-industrial i guess would be like you know 1700s or something okay or maybe even before that basically if the whole idea behind climate change is that we're heating up the earth, then they say, let's limit let's limit that total amount of heating to less than two degrees Celsius. And then their more advanced target is, let's try and make it less than 1.5 degrees Celsius. Okay. Which is like a lot harder to hit. Um, the part where you're, I guess, kind of misled is that there's no like regulations put in place. Like, And that's kind of, I guess, what a lot of the criticism of this agreement is, is that um, there's no actual like enforcement for anyone to actually do anything about it. Like everyone signs and they all say like, whoopee, we're going to do this. Um, and there's all kinds of like guidelines on how they plan to meet this and how much each country should plan to reduce their emissions and maybe how they could do that. And then there's some accountability in that you can track different countries' progress towards these goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no actual like punishment if you don't. And there's no actual law that has been created that says you can't do this. It's more like everyone everyone looked around at each other and said, "Yeah, we'll we'll pass laws in our respective countries to reduce we'll, climate change." But so it sounds like there's also an element of self-publishing data on how you're meeting it. So if you're not meeting it, it just looks bad for you. Yeah, exactly. And that's the accountability aspect. Okay. It's like pure pressure. Yeah. And then they've also all committed, you know, a certain amount of money to like go towards this cause of the Paris Climate Agreement, like in order to sustain, you know, the accountability framework and all that. Okay, it's actually okay. It's actually, it costs money to, for all these countries to publish data and make it available. And yeah, and it's, and I think it's kind of a lot of money. Like, anyway, I, I sort of imagine that that's why you know Trump is backing out of this thing. It's expensive and it kind of hurts. It hurts the economy to say, well, we're going to curb our climate change. When you look at you know when you look at the big contributors to climate change, like China is far and away the biggest one but then the u.s is in second and the u.s is far and away bigger than the rest yeah or than any other individual contributor yeah but so yeah so it's very bad that we are 
not leading by example here and we are pulling out of this thing well i don't even want to get into it it's it's going to be there's a lot of politics yeah Yeah. but it's basically it's it's politics it's not like so by by pulling out of the paris agreement you're not saying we're not going to curb emissions it's just saying we're not going to I mean, it kind of is, though. <laughs> like, it, it, it's basically saying, like, we just don't care as much about it as the rest of you guys do. Okay. Anyways, Which, is anyone surprised debate. with Donald Trump, you know? Yeah. But so I think kind of the point of this paper is to put, like, put an actual, like, picture in front of you of here's what happens if you if we succeed and here's what happens if we fail. Okay. I think that's interesting because it's translating the, the key points of the Paris Agreement like the temperatures to actual ecological impact and looking at a very specific species. So like a very an interesting tracing down of the, of the requirement. It's like for systems engineering, tracing down requirements, like how does it impact like lower subsystems for any aerospace nerds interested who are <laughs> yeah. listening? Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think they, they use penguins for exactly the reason you said, like they are a very, um, what they say in the papers that they're like a very iconic animal associated with like environmental causes. Yeah. So like if penguins are dying, I mean, everyone loves penguins. They're adorable. They're adorable. Like polar bears. Not as like, mean as polar bears. Yeah. So polar bears are another iconic animal used for like environmental change causes. And the other reason is that I guess penguins are sort of considered like a canary in the coal mine kind of animal mm. where like the impact of climate change affects the poles like first. Yeah, like at least most drastically first before it will start affecting the rest of the planet. And so when you start to see these like very drastic changes happening to animals at the poles, um, that's a sign of like bad things to come for the rest of the planet. Yeah. And like that's where we're going to see it first. So if you start to see like huge declines in penguin populations, even though here, you know, on Earth, we can bring a snowball into into Congress and say, look, there's no climate change. It, there are animals at the South Pole who are like, their entire colony is dying off, you know. Just for our listeners who aren't sure, there are no penguins at the North Pole, correct? <laughs> yes, for the listeners, of course, <laughs> not for any co-hosts here. <laughs> Just wanted to ask for a friend. Yeah, but so penguins are uh, native to the South Pole and they only live in the South, or they only live in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay. And then uh, polar bears are the same thing in the Northern Hemisphere. Check. Also, I've learned... In this paper that polar bears are called Ursus maritimus, which huh. is an awesome name. That is cool. Like maritime bear. Maritime bear. Yeah. Little Paddingtons. Little they Paddingtons. Need more, need better rain boots. So, I mean, I mentioned like colonies dying off right now. The authors sort of cite like some current research that shows emperor penguins are likely going to be at least endangered by the year 2100 um, if like, quote unquote, business as usual emissions keep occurring. And I guess like the primary mechanism for that is basically that sea ice melts. Just loss of habitat. Yeah, pretty much. And so it like displaces them and also this, the, so Antarctica like grows and shrinks a ton every year. Yeah. So like the sea around Antarctica freezes and that becomes more land for them to use. Um, And I guess that that seasonal change is like a big part of their kind of life cycle or their like annual cycle of how they do things, Mm -hmm. you know? So like when there's a lot of sea ice, then they have this sort of long migration to get out and then. Uh, when there's not a lot, it's really advantageous because they can dive through holes and go feeding, but then they don't have to travel as far to get back home. Yeah. You know, lots of like dynamics at play there with the penguins and their sea ice. Okay. Those penguins and their sea ice. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Are they, so they're already observing 
decreases in the population of penguins? Uh, I think yes. They actually didn't really get into that in this paper, like how much have they declined already. Okay. But when you look at the plots, they start tracing the populations from 2009. And even from then, like the curve is slightly down. Oh, okay. I mean, so they are. So I think they are declining. Yeah. Okay. So like maybe at a high level, what sort of, what were the methods of the authors to start figuring out like, all right, two degrees C, that does this, you know, what sort of their train of thought? Yeah. So it's, um, it's like way more involved than I was expecting. Uh huh. And what they do, I mean, I mentioned that they kind of have these three scenarios. Like one is we do nothing. The other is we hit two degrees C and the other one is we hit 1.5 degrees C. Yeah. But inside each of those is baked in like tons of like, you know, over the next hundred years, these exact kind of models for the climate and how it will evolve. It's not just like, oh, if everything just raised by two degrees instantly, what happens? It's kind of like in the Paris Agreement, you know, this whole thing was kind of born out of like climate science and there's tons of climate scientists involved. Yeah. They all have these models that sort of project out what's going to happen over the next hundred years. Okay. And then how do, how do those projections change if we reduce emissions on this certain schedule? Like if we reduce emissions immediately, what's going to happen? If we reduce emissions slowly over this time and then stop reducing them at this time, you know, so there's all these kind of different like things baked in and different ways that we can hit these targets baked in. Okay. I'm sensing this is getting very complicated. It is. And I didn't understand kind of a lot of the climate science here. Yeah. Um, but the methods are very, you know, applicable across many fields of science. So they have these kind of three different models of how the climate could evolve over the next 100 years. Mm -hmm. And then um, ba using those models, they then make projections of what will happen to the sea ice in Antarctica. Okay. And they use um, something called the community atmosphere model. It's like a fully coupled thing that incorporates the atmosphere, ocean, sea ice, and terrestrial components. Um, and so they project out what's going to happen to all this ice. Hmm. And then based on what's happening with the ice... They have this model that I think was actually developed by Jeanne Ouvrier, like the first okay. author of this. Like, I think that she's a, a, like a preeminent scientist on emperor penguins. And so she has this model that basically... How cool is that, by the way? Very cool. That was literally my dream when I was a kid. A penguin scientist. A penguin scientist, yes. Yeah. So she has this model where that couples basically like what happens with the sea ice to what how penguins will react. And, she, and in that model, you can have it so that penguins um, disperse like intelligently. So if they lose their habitat, they will seek out like the best alternative habitat within certain constraints. Okay. And then there's another format of it where they just randomly scatter and they just find the nearest colony or something like that. Uh-huh. And so she kind of projects it out um, using both of those different behaviors that penguins could do. Although she says they will not randomly disperse. They will do the intelligent dispersal. Okay. Based on like kind of their best guess of how penguins will behave. Hmm. So this is another thing I learned in this paper. We don't know that much about penguins. I mean, they sound really hard to study if you have to go to Antarctica. You have to go to Antarctica, um, which is hard. She mentioned that there's been no, there's been very little like tagging of penguins to like track their migrations and stuff. So this idea of penguin dispersal, like them moving from colony to colony is very, it's kind of like, theore not theoretical, but it's just not very well understood. This is like, you know, we've talked about this for like planet Earth and those other shows the nature shows where like every single line that they talk about is probably someone's phd thesis yes and uh 
it's just making me realize like March of Penguins must have been like a scientific marvel for penguin science. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's not like a huge statement. Like people know that, but like, but it's like the most well-known nature documentary that's ever been made. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I just think that's cool. I want to say. But so what was what I thought was really interesting was that she says we think that they there is a lot of dispersal because even among all like 54 known emperor penguin colonies, mm-hmm. there's not very much like genetic difference. Oh, interesting. So they're all very similar to each other. Um and I th- and there was something else she mentioned, but they they have a lot of reason to believe that they will move around. So if they lose sea ice, it's not as simple as just like, oh, if there was a colony there, they're all going to die. Yeah. That's not really how it works. Like they'll find new homes. And so they take that into account in this study, which makes it a pretty advanced model. It's like, I think she says that this is kind of the first like coupled sea ice population model of penguins like projecting into the future like this. Did they bring up in the paper whether they've done this at all for other Arctic or Antarctic animals like polar bears? Uh, She did mention other animals. So she does mention that um, this idea of like dispersal using an informed search as opposed to like a random dispersal process um, has been observed in other colonial seabirds. Really? Yeah, which I can't say that I really know any others like, I don't know, puffins or something. (laughs) Um, But so I think this is like an observed behavior. So they kind of use that, I guess, as as another part of the basis for it. Um, But I don't really remember other studies like this one that couple the sea ice projections with the population movements like i think that that's actually kind of what she says that this is this is really like a unique study in that sense unique okay so it's unique not only for penguins but it's also unique just from the perspective of ecology research yeah and studying yeah. animal populations and a changing climate yeah and she sort of i think they kind of wrap this paper up saying like this type of study should be repeated for other sensitive like potentially endangered animals um because this is a this is a powerful technique for analyzing it like it's not just as simple as do they lose habitat yeah you know that's cool i mean so this could could be a very seminal piece of work going forward especially as i mean i can only assume the effects of climate change become more acute yeah it could be yeah okay so these are like these are basically quantitative simulations then that report the population in these different scenarios yeah she uses matlab 2018 woohoo yeah i was like wow i can immediately picture what your guys's research looks like now for people who aren't familiar matlab is like a programming software analysis tool it's like python only worse it's but it's like just data analysis basically i love matlab oh man you're you're just bought it hook line and sinker dude matlab is the guy who uses mathematica yeah which if i had to pay for i would never use Mat- matlab's free for uw students Dude, matlab now. is like is like um academic heroin they they give it to you free for as students and then yeah everyone graduates and it's the only thing they know and so then you're forced to buy it otherwise you're screwed or except, companies are forced to buy it to let people use it except that python has the free it's like matlab now no i know that's what i'm saying is that yeah. you can just do everything matlab does on python for free yeah but matlab exactly. costs like a single use license is like fifteen thousand dollars a year it's crazy yeah so i agree it's crazy but it's so great anyway (laughs) we're studying penguins with matlab so can't i'm happy hey i'm happy so with the simulations that they did what were their actual results what did they find 
Yeah, so... Uh, How are the penguins looking is what I'm really getting at. <sighs> penguins are looking not so great. Really? I'm going to be honest, yeah. So I mentioned, like, you know, they do these three scenarios. And so the whole results section is kind of structured, like, comparing the three. Uh-huh. So in terms of the sea ice levels that they project, if we keep doing, you know, business as usual scenario, like we don't really do anything to curb our emissions, by 2060, most penguin colonies will lose more than 50% of their available sea ice. Okay. So like more than half their habitat will be gone. Which can only be bad. Which is obviously very bad. If the Paris Agreement 1.5 degree goal is met, then... Uh, less than 10% of their sea ice will be lost compared to like historical means. That's a huge difference. So that's what, a really big difference. Business as usual, what would that be for total temperature increase? Um, that is a good question. I don't know. Okay. I'm certain that somewhere in this paper it must have said that, but I don't think it did. Okay, but it must be significantly higher. Yeah, I mean, we're probably talking about like three, four degrees, something like that. Okay. Um, but so for the populations though, so like the sea ice, you think, okay, they lose half the sea ice and less than 10% of the sea ice population's not as, um, not as promising. Uh Oh, so for business as usual by 2100, all emperor penguin colonies. So I think there's 54 right now. All of the colonies are projected to decline and 80% of them will have lost more than 90% of their population. Damn. And thus be, quote, quasi-extinct. That's not good. Yeah. So, like, more than 80% of all penguin colonies will go extinct if we don't do anything. Shit. And that's that's by 2100. That's, like, in our lifetime. I mean, if we continue to stop eating eggs and sleep on that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, assuming but this is true. Yeah. You know, let's say it's even worse. It's, like, like slightly 20, worse than that. I could be telling my grandkids, like, oh, my favorite animal is penguins. And they'll be, like... I thought there weren't any penguins. That would be like your, you know, grandfather saying like, my favorite animal is the dodo. Yeah. You'd be like, like, what is the dodo? That's weird. We're yeah. going to be those weird people. We're going to be those weird people. And specifically, she says that the ones that are going to go quasi extinct are the ones that lose that like larger than 50% of their sea ice. So there's a very strong couple. Okay. Like you pointed out. It's not just like, hey, everybody trying to think of a dumb analogy like oh my apartment's 50 times smaller or 50 percent smaller but like i'm still doing okay but i'm still living here yeah it's like no no it's like um my apartment's half the size so my wife divorced me and and left and therefore making my family extinct yes you know okay. uh and i guess globally it says the total actual like population of emperor penguins will decline by 86 percent relative to it, the initial size Oof. Yeah. So 86 out of every 100 penguins would die. That's just sad. It's very sad. So there's a figure here, actually. Oh, I love figures. There's a figure here, and it actually shows kind of the three scenarios. So this is just, it's just, you know, population is on the y-axis, mm -hmm. and time is on the x-axis going up to 2100. Okay. And you can see the red line just is population tanking down to, like, practically zero. Colored in an appropriate red. It is. And then there's a blue line that's higher than that. And it kind of actually levels out, you can see, at about maybe like half of where it started. Yeah. And then a green line, which levels out at like, I don't know, two thirds of where it started maybe. Is that, so that's like uh, one and a half, two and business as usual? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like from worst to best climate scenarios. Okay. Um, and, you know, each of those lines has like kind of an envelope of uncertainty that gets larger as you project further into future. And that envelope for the business as usual scenario, the like the kind of the the confidence interval on their projection ranges from 67% of the population lost to 99.2% of the population lost. Basically, it's like you wouldn't want to bet on penguins being around. No, like within reasonable uncertainties, it could be 99% of of penguins are dead. That's scary. Yeah, which is effectively extinct, right? Yeah. So now, I mean, we kind of already touched on it from these curves, but if we do like the the Paris Agreement scenarios with 1.5 degrees increase, only 19% of colonies are projected to go quasi-extinct. I say only. That's still one in five. A fifth of all penguin colonies will go extinct. Jesus. That's like if, you know, there's only 54 colonies. That's like rack up the um, 54 largest cities on Earth and say 10 of those is going to be wiped out by a meteor in the next 100 years. Well, can you imagine? It's funny you say that because there was a New York Times article like a week ago that was like, look at these major metropolitan areas and how they'll be threatened by sea level rise in the next 50 years. And it's like Shanghai, Bangkok, slash all of Vietnam. Yeah. (laughs) Like Louisiana, New Orleans. Uh, So don't joke about that because that's actually the case i wasn't joking <laughs> charlie stop making jokes yes, charlie it's not no laughing matter yeah man it's terrifying who's the penguin who's the real penguin i'm the penguin <laughs> <laughs> please let me be the penguin <laughs> all i can think of is uh danny devito in batman oh as the yeah penguin. great role great movie yeah Super excellent casting movie. but yeah we're all the penguins in this scenario yeah but so it's interesting, though, like the the confidence on like envelope of uncertainty that we we're describing for the Paris agreements, there's actually a possibility that the populations could increase. What? Yeah. How? It's just, I mean, based on the uncertainties of the models. Basically, I, I think just what that means is that like most likely scenario is that their population still decreases by like half or like a third or something. But there are some scenarios where the climate change is not so bad that it actually disrupts their like dispersal patterns okay so they could still end up thriving as though you know like they can adapt and be fine and you know actually increase sounds opt pleasant and optimistic uh yeah i think unfortunately you don't want to bet on yeah yeah interesting well that's sad that's sad but i mean from a scientific perspective that's a really interesting analysis to actually be able to trace that down like we were talking about earlier yeah exactly so were there any other interesting talking points in the article other than, you know, this trickle-down effect of the climate change agreement? Yeah, there was one. So they kind of mentioned a couple near the end of the paper, just in their discussion. One thing I thought was interesting was she says that when they incorporated dispersal into the model, it actually caused steeper population declines than if there was no dispersal. Really? So yeah, like in, like allowing the penguins to move around I think maybe this was only when they did the random dispersal, but mm-hmm. allowing them to move around randomly actually decreased the pop or actually hurt the population. And I think they kind of, I didn't quite understand it, but I think what she's trying to say is that it's counterintuitive, but, but because these penguins are moving around, some of them may actually end up moving to a place that is really becoming bad. Like that is losing a lot of sea ice. Oh, that's and interesting. And that can actually be like a sink of a population sink. 
like you it's like your house gets flooded so you move and you build your house in another floodplain yeah exactly like uh tokyo gets hit by a meteor and so then you're like <laughs> oh shoot i'm gonna move to la it's safer there and then it gets hit by an earthquake you it's know? like you're at your mars colony right <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly yeah the magnetic field just pulls apart so you go to venus and then the magnetic field pulls apart again. And then and then suddenly you've got greenhouse gases all over. <laughs> and all, then the sun all, explodes. All equal analogies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that, that that actually hurts the penguin population. Okay. So the hope is that they're kind of like smart enough to go somewhere. But then this is the other kind of point that she hits on is that she doesn't think penguins are going to be able to adapt very well to, to these changes because they have like very long lifespans. Mm-hmm. and delayed maturity and low reproductive rates. So, I mean, you can kind of imagine like... They're very sensitive to these yeah. changes. Like if, if it suddenly becomes hard for penguins to survive to adulthood and it takes them many years to reach adulthood, like the chance that they'll die off before they can reproduce is much higher if their habitat gets damaged, you know? Yeah. Like flies will always propagate because they live for like, you know, a week... And they, they reproduce care. on like day two. So they, they only can't have to re- survive for a day in order to reproduce. They also can't reminisce about the old times. That's Well, we don't know that. Uh, I guess it's all relative. On next month's bonus episode, we're bringing <laughs> a revolutionary study about flies. social lives of flies. <laughs> and reminiscing. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, they used to think that flies drank to remember. But it turns out they actually drink to forget. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Science influenced by country music. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's interesting. When you brought up the fact that the penguins would be affected by this random dispersal, I was like, well, maybe it's random and they like, can't find each other or something. But that makes a lot more sense that it's more just it's random and they're fleeing in response to something so they don't necessarily vet these new areas. Or maybe they just like lose desire to reproduce. Almost like the... Uh, Rats of them. Yeah, the mice from our bonus episode. I think about that way too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to bring in uh, Dr. John B. Calhoun for this study to consult. <laughs> Back from the dead. Yeah. No, but I mean, you're right. Like, especially, you know, Antarctica is a large place. These colonies are fairly far from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it takes a long time to get to one and then you suddenly realize it's worse than your old one. I mean, don't <laughs> like you're likely to die on the way over there anyway. Now you have to do it again. Yeah, odds aren't great. Yeah. One other thing that um, she mentioned, too, is that, like, as the sea ice melts, so all this is coupled to the sea ice, Mm -hmm. a factor that they can't really incorporate here is as it melts, that may open up, like, new fishing areas for humans or, like, you know, changing kind of the ecological dynamics. Like, different predators now have access to the waters that penguins used to exclusively get to fish in, which could ultimately, like, lead to more competition and kill them off faster. That's a great point. I mean, there are sort of these, I want to say, like, non-linear second-order effects. Totally. That happen that, like, these models don't even consider. Yeah, and really, like, can't consider. Yeah. We have no idea what will happen. Well, interesting. So, sad. I wish I could I wish I wish could end this episode on a happier note, but yeah, that's life. I mean, I guess the happy note is if we curb climate change, then penguins will probably live for a lot longer if not for you and me do it for the penguins do it for the penguins yeah but um, so you know i just i couldn't help but think well the point of this paper is to kind of highlight the significance of 
the Paris Climate Agreements and why it's actually a really important target and what the real impacts could be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I probably spent too much time talking about the politics of it up front. But there was a reason for that, which is coming full circle now. I'm imagining like, you know, Trump gets a briefing now. They say, uh, sir, you know, there's all this research now that's saying um, we could curb the extinction of penguins if we stay in this agreement. Mm -hmm. Like, I hate to say it, but if I'm Donald Trump and the my job responsibility is for like the well-being of humans in one specific country honestly i'm not going to care that much about this which is really sad to say like as a person with a heart you care so much you don't want all these penguins to die yeah but like from a political standpoint i mean is this really going to convince like a donald trump kind of guy or or the or kind of the people that he's trying to represent with this like um I mean, a I think Donald Trump is an outlier because I, th- I mean, he, he, I mean, he was voted in by half the country. Like, well, I think he's an outlier. Uh, I think there's a small breed of politicians who are like him. I mean, I think in other countries it could influence them. I don't think it's not like this paper that would influence them because ultimately, I think there are other there are other economic advantages for adhering to the Paris Agreement that like aren't necessarily ob- obvious you know yeah yeah but you said it right there other economic advantages so to me it's like i mean this is a really interesting paper it's got a not a human interest story but a, a penguin interest story to it yeah but at the end of the day it's telling us what we already know from the paris climate agreement itself which is that we need to curb our temperature rise to less than 1.5 degrees well and it, but i mean i think it, it does so quantitatively which is interesting yeah. and then yeah you know there are always there are tons of examples in history where it's like something happened first and we look back and we're like why didn't we pay attention to those little things that have an impact on humans you know you see a species disappear or like an earthquake you see all the dogs running away or tsunami yeah totally like the, it's the canary in the coal mine that we mentioned canary before. in the coal mine yeah and you're like would this influence someone in donald trump's position probably not given my pessimistic view on <laughs> yeah. politics in general yeah should it i would say i would say it should Yes, because not be not because Donald Trump cares about penguins, but because like like I said, you know, it if you want to put it in economic terms, there are implications. Right. right. New Orleans disappearing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess I guess that's all that I meant is that um, this paper is very interesting to me as someone who really cares about penguins and someone who also believes in the very horrible consequences of climate change. <laughs> but it's slightly preaching to the choir, I suppose, given that the Paris Climate Agreement already happened which right there it tells us that already is our evidence that yeah that we know climate change is bad you know true but i mean it's also uh it's also a scientific paper i mean it's not oh yeah, pre- yeah sorry is it- <laughs> I, this is a, not at all a criticism of this paper i was trying to more contextualize this in terms of like kind of the news yeah aspect I of see, this like I kind see. of the, the public interest in this paper um yeah. this that was not at all a cr- criticism of this paper <laughs> like okay. i say it was groundbreaking in that it was a very like kind of a very unique scientific application like this model that she's developed coupling the sea ice projections to the population dynamics all very interesting yeah but ultimately when you go back then out to the what is the significance of the paris climate agreement how bad is it that the u.s is leaving it yada yada i don't know this paper necessarily fits in to that whole argument i see what you're saying yeah i'm i'm gonna you know i'm gonna hold back my opinion until we look at it for polar bears I gotta see the whole picture. I gotta yeah. see south and north. Yeah, that's true. You're, you know, you're just a, a consummate skeptic, James. Yeah, you know, 
I'm not convinced until two different species are analyzed. Yeah. Like, well, that, fine, but they live in the southern hemisphere. I live in the northern hemisphere. There's a reason they're opposite. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, was a, that was an interesting article. Someone who knows nothing about modeling these uh, animal populations. It's cool. It's cool to see the link. I, I've tried to dive into climate change papers before, like for potential episodes. They're really hard. It's and hard, man. So this is like no small undertaking. Yeah. And I think this is probably exactly why climate scientists have such a hard time convincing the public of what a, pro- a dire problem this is. Yeah. Is that like, it's very hard science to communicate, you know? Absolutely. Like, say what you will, but like in, in Inconvenient Truth, you know that movie? Yeah. When he's showing the CO2 emissions historically, when Al Gore gets on that little like scissor lift thing. That's a very effective communication tool of like boiling down the science into like, look, I have to get on this little elevator thing just to show you the top of this chart. <laughs> like that's not science. You don't need sci- a science background to understand that. No, it's you know? in your face. Yeah. yeah. So like we kind of need more like really, you know, poignant communication tools like that. I mean, talking about the demise of penguins marching to their death. Yes. <laughs> I think this is this is it's a, a, step. a good example. It's yeah. a step in the right oh, direction. James. Marching us in the right direction. I think it's time to call the episode. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening and putting up with my horrible marching jokes. (laughs) Um, As we mentioned before, please do check us out on social media at Paper Boys Pod. Patreon's there with great bonus episodes just waiting (laughs) for you. It's there. Check it out if you want. Patreon.com slash Paper Boys Pod. It means a lot to Charlie and me. And we give you a free sticker. For the lowest tier. Free sticker. Great uh, sticker. And also just like, it actually is a really, really engaging way for us to um, interact with listeners of the show. People who are listening to the bonus episodes, like, it's actually great. I mean, I've interacted with each one of them. And so when we're recording it, I can actually picture everyone that I'm speaking to. And it's just like a great, I don't know, it makes it really fun for me and James. And it makes us really appreciate you, the listeners. And we hope that we hope that you enjoy the content as well. And we think it's well worth the pie dollars a month. Yes. It'll, it only influences us and helps inspire us to add more content to the show, too, in the future. You know, yes. Charlie and I, with our egg-free, sleep-filled lives, uh, <laughs> hope to continue this podcast on for a long time. So, yeah. So, Patreon fuels that. It does. Yeah. We're planning to continue this. It's a, ra- it's a battle of who will die first, us or the penguins. <laughs> oh, God. Is it too morbid? Morbid. Yeah. Way too morbid. <laughs> we got to outlast them, man. It's it's a competition. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Please join us next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.